Welcome to C-Suite Radio. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today on The Brett Allen Show, well, first of all, thanks everybody for watching and listening. We have another fantastic comic and also Circle, the Circle Season 4 alum, John Franklin. Uh, he has a lot going on right now. He has a stand-up special coming to 2 TV this summer. He's also going to be performing at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe this August, which is a huge outlet for comics. And I want to start out with that. First of all, thank you for your time. And I appreciate you hanging out today. I'm really excited to chat with you. Oh, Brett, I'm stoked to be here, man. Like, I'm super excited. Going to have a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm just as happy to be here. So let's do it, man. I'm super Absolutely. excited. Well, now we, I think most people would know you from the Circle Season 4. And I know that was a little bit ago. And we will talk about that intermittently here. But I want to focus in on your comedy and your sketch and this big opportunity that you have at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. Now, a lot of people are familiar with like Just for Laughs and the new faces and all of that sort of thing. But this one is big too. A lot of huge names perform here, got started here. And the one that I, his name is now escaping me. I just had it in my head. He goes out every summer and performs at all of these comedian all these events, oh, it's going to kill me now that I can't remember his name because I remember him performing here. But anyway, let's talk about this for you. This is a huge opportunity. Can you let our listeners and viewers in on it and what it's about and how big of an opportunity it actually is for you as a comic? Yeah, totally. So the Edinburgh Festival Fringe, a lot of people in America know it as Edinburgh Fringe Festival. It kind of goes both directions, but like the proper way is Edinburgh Festival Fringe is a huge arts arts festival, probably one of, if not the biggest in the world uh, that's set in Edinburgh and Scotland. It's a month long total, the entire festival. And you get things from improv to stand up, one man shows, like r- reviews. Like this is how my Python got really started into their industry of doing reviews and doing their style of sketch comedy that ultimately led to their television show. So that's what the fringe is. It is really like, I, I like easy to say a mecca of entertainment. I mean, when you go, you're performing with people all around the world. You meet a lot of really cool people for somebody like me. Um, it's very exciting to get to go because during the day I'll be performing just at a variety of just like one-off day shows, like trying to meet other comics in the area. And then at night uh, for the nine days that I'm performing there, I'm doing nine nights consecutively of my, stand-up slash one-man show called My Dad's Advice. I'm very, very excited about it. I'm performing at the Greenside uh, venue Sprout Studio at Infirmary Street, which is, um, if you know Edinburgh, Greenside is one of the top, I think, four biggest venues besides the main stage 
that would be there. So it's an honor. I mean, it's it's something I've thought about doing my whole career in comedy. I never knew when I kind of ripped the bandaid off and get to go do it uh, because you do have to plan it the majority of the time by yourself as a performer, unless you are like a main stage, like garnered act. So it has been a process, uh, but I'm so I'm so excited about it. This has been a long time coming for me, and I think it'll be a big jump um, in my career, sort of, as you mentioned before. So I, I'm so honored to be there. I can't wait, man. Yeah, it's really a big deal to to be a part of this. And again, again, you know, there's these like ones that I think some people might be familiar with, but this is a big one, too, because people travel all over the world to be a part of this and to get the exposure and to meet people. And it takes a little bit of the pressure off, but in the same sense, it's a big deal because a lot of people are watching you. Yeah. And so how have you prepared for this? Like, have you written new material? This is not a chance to, is it a chance to perform new material or is this to work on what you've already been working on as you've been performing throughout New York city, which again, that in itself is a place to really cut your teeth as a comic for sure. Yeah. I mean, great question. I think the the weird part for me was that I timed this very strangely. I mean, I, with the special dropping this year, you know, I, that was material I had been working on for the last four years by the time I got to January when we filmed it. And now it's coming out this summer, obviously to Tubi. And I, in my opinion, like as a comedian, I feel like it'd be a waste of like my time and energy to re like reuse that material while I go to fringe. Um, so in the background, while I had been doing that material that ended up being in my special, I have about an hour's worth of material that is really just like storytelling material that is really just like geared around like my life. Uh, these experiences that I've had growing up, you know, in the New Jersey area and like with my family and my friends and, you know, like having sort of that, that unique perspective on life that New Jersey sort of offers for some weird reason and like where I'm from. And uh, that's what this show would be all about. It's more of a one man show than I would call a stand-up special okay. because it is just stories of my, my life and uh, dad specifically, you know, things sort of like finding out our certain cousins were connected, you know, like mobbed up a little bit and like finding out like, you know, the way that my dad tried to handle like my growing up in like the birds and the bees was a little more outlandish than I think the normal person would <laughs> go through. Um, so different stories like that ended up being the impetus of what this entire show is. But you're so right. Uh, you're hitting the nail on the head about uh, Fringe in general when like these people from all over the world come here and they do so many different things that you get kind of wound up in like this creativity bubble and it just becomes super cool to share your experiences with other people. And we're going to film this one too. Hopefully it ends up doing sort of similar to what the special did. Um, but it is a little bit of a different, uh, you know, gauntlet for me to get up here with this. And I think it's a good, good test of my career and a good test so far and keep things moving in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, even very well established names, present company included, have gone to this and just done it for practice because it's an opportunity to get in front of different types of audiences and people, you know? And I think that's what I think is so fascinating about standup is the fact that literally you have to be willing to perform anywhere, basically. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely true. I think, and I think like with fringe and like the festival scene, I, this is my, 
my third festival that I'll be doing. And this is, it's the biggest one I by far, um, I'll, I'll get to do so far, but that's, that's just it. You know, certain levels of your career as a standup, I've been in the city for a while and I'll be the first to tell you that I need to really get on, uh, hanging out and doing more shows in the city than I'm doing already, because you just feel like the scene moving around you, but you also got to do festivals. Like you got to get reviewed at festivals and, uh, there's no bigger one to get a review at than fringe. Every comedian who's ever done Fringe, any comedian will tell you that like a review at Fringe like is worth its weight in gold, especially if you get a four or five star review. Like that'll take you so much further in your career, especially as somebody who, you know, like you mentioned, I want like I do sketch stuff, I do the stand up stuff, I try to do a little bit of everything. So to hopefully nail down a good review at Fringe would be what I can only hope is like a big jump to my career and going from you know, reality TV show guy who was a comedian before and is trying to be a comedian after to really establishing myself as like a comedian, you know, like a real, a real face in the scene. So that's, that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in New York too, is definitely a lot different. I'm told than like per se starting out in Los Angeles because LA is a lot of industry types, which isn't necessarily bad, but you in New York, it's an opportunity to go perform in a lot of small, unique niche places and get practice and 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 work on bits and things like that. And maybe an industry person might show up, but like in LA, it's always a guarantee that there's probably going to... Mark Norman said that when I had a chance to talk to him, that if he started over again, he would just have stuck to New York completely because it was you could go to LA, be in front of industry people, have a bad experience or a bad show. And that could be their core memory of you when really you might just be having an off night or in most cases, it's a really bad audience. Yeah, that's so true. I think New York is a, is a beast, right? I mean, like with the, the people who come see shows, like you could get shows where it's, I've had been on shows where the crowds are fantastic and like you're like i want to go back i would do that show 100 times out of 100 and then sometimes you get shows where like you know the crowd is more of a subdued crowd you could get a crowd that's very like tourist driven so a lot of people that aren't like english isn't necessarily their first language so like some of the humor doesn't necessarily translate as well so new york like you get a lot of those kind of hit and miss shows Mm -hmm. but to your point not all of them have like a booker or an industry person or a like a a who's who watching you to make sure like you're having the best night like that's i have a friend who he does i i've i've seen him do like five shows in a night at different venues just because you can get around the city that way i mean la is not like is not built for that at all um but it like you said it's just two different sides of the industry like there are your pros and cons to both obviously the pros of la are the industry side of things like if you do have a great show you get to leverage that and like, it could go a really long way, but to Mark's point, like you're never going to always have a great show all the time. And then on the New York side of things, you're not always getting those industry people, but you are getting the chance to really like grind and cut your teeth and do different shows. And like, I need to, that's one thing I strive to get better at is the going out and just doing shows to do them and not being so like wound up tight about what shows I'm doing, but it's definitely, uh, it's two different sides of the same coin somehow with this comedy industry, you know? Yeah, I totally understand. Well, the special comes out on Tubi this summer. That's very exciting. That in its own right is a huge streamer. There's been a lot of comedians that have had that 
venue or that avenue for their specials, Jamie Kennedy, just to name a few. I think that's great because it's going to expose you to a whole new audience. So I have to ask when you were on the circle and you got presented, was that an offer to you? Did you audition? Was the idea to go on there and use that as a platform to boost your career as a comic? Because if I remember correctly, when you were on there, your cover story was like a social media something or other, I think. And then eventually the the shoe dropped and we found out. But I'm just interested to know about that particular experience. Yeah, no, uh, that's that's sort of like the crazy part, right? I did not get approached to do that. Like when I got asked to like i sent in an audition tape in march or april of 2020 um and i didn't hear back about it until may of 2021 and i kind of forgotten that i had done it and at the time you know like that's peak pandemic i'm doing zoom comedy at that point like i'm not even in clubs until like ultimately like things open back up in april 2021 um and then when they hit me about up about that audition i was like you know what i should do it like i i was gigging quite a bit around the city at that point like okay i had done a few industry room things i was feeling pretty good about myself and then the show was presented as an opportunity just by happenstance and luck and the reason why i was billed as a social media creator was because that was like my full-time side like my full-time gig that was paying the bills i was a social media content creator so that was how like the show is obviously a driven social media show. Like it's supposed to like be like social media. So uh, I'm sure they probably have a bunch of different types of people, but obviously somebody who knows social media well is going to have a leg up in the game. So that was probably easier for them to pick me that way. Um, I kind of just viewed it as, I don't know what this is going to turn into. I don't know what I really want to do with the rest of my life right now, but I think it'd be really cool to get on a television show and hopefully it'll springboard me into some level of, being a known entity, just somebody that people like enjoy to follow because I've yeah. always enjoyed social media. And when I went and did the show, I probably got, when I got back, I probably had collectively across Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, like maybe 5,000 followers across the three, three platforms. And I would say like 85% were my friends, like if not more, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Nobody knew who I was. Uh, show comes out and blew up to about, 40,000 Instagram followers, like 45,000 and like 25,000 TikTok followers. And I just like sort of hit the ground run. And I was like, now's the time to like show people what I could do, like different things, sketch, stand up, stuff like that. And to date, I have like 108,000 on TikTok and like, I want to say like 80,000 on Instagram. So I kind of used it as a springboard, but not knowing I was going to use it as a springboard. Like I'd never, I definitely did not go in thinking like, as like the last day the show airs, I'm going to like do a 30 minute stand up show pop up thing. Like I had no plan. Uh, it was just kind of like an, an offhand opportunity and I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, I'm, I love that. That's where I came from because I do have a lot of people that stop me on the street and be like, Oh my God, you're John. And like, they'll take a picture. They'll say hello. You know, uh, it, the show provided me with every opportunity I've gotten so far. And the ability to use like the hard work element to keep it growing. So I'm really thankful for it. I think a lot of people have asked me and wondered if I would, if I could go back, would I still do it? Would I like just try to grind and do stand up? And I would do it every time. 
no doubt in my mind. I, I loved it. I love the experience. I love the people and the things that it offered me. So I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, it's worked out for a lot of people, you know, back in yeah. the day, road rules and the real world and all these different shows. I mean, that's where Theo Vaughn really yeah, Theo got, Vaughn. got introduced to the general public. So I'm curious to know on the other side of things, obviously the industry has changed over the years. You've seen some changes, I'm sure because of your background in social media. I mean, Dane cook, he really was able to leverage MySpace at the time and just really master the internet. So as a comedian and somebody who's front facing the, the power of social media is huge, right? Like it helps. I mean, I see even other comedians or whomever. I mean, they're always, I think gone are the days of, you know, booking a show and then going on the radio. I mean, I think they still do trying to sell tickets, but really if you have a good booker and you get booked at a club, wherever you pick in USA, America, you still have to promote all of that on social media, right? And be able to really leverage it. Oh yeah. Uh, I had done some like video stuff with the honest pop. It's like, this is two years ago now. Okay. She had worked with bed MGM for a little bit, which is where like my full-time work is. And, um, we were talking about this exact instance and he made a really great point. And he said something like, you know, back in the day it was, you get a tight five by going up every single day, you keep doing your tight five and you keep working on it. Hopefully that tight five gets you noticed. Then you get on to late night TV. Then you go from late night TV to like getting a, a tight 10 minutes and that gets you festival entries. Then you go to Montreal, you do just for laughs and hopefully you get an HBO special or like you do a comedy central presents. Like there was like a whole step the up premium comedy central premium blend. That was like the thing back yeah, in the day. That was like the jam, you know, like that was like what everybody, how many comedians like could I cite that I watched their comedy central presents. That was like eight minutes of a 30 minute show. You know what I mean? On like their that was the Saturday way to go, morning. and then Netflix took over, <laughs> right? And then like this long form stand up became a huge thing, and like specials, like specials were obviously a thing. Like you know, George Carlin was always doing specials. Everybody was doing specials, but I think especially now in the age of streaming, like specials are king. Like it that, and for some reason, crowd work on social media, like those are the oh, two things that people care about. That's so fun to watch. It's massive. You do good work at that. <laughs> I was going to oh, talk about you. that. So yeah, on TikTok now, especially it's hot, like 10 minutes of just somebody working the crowd. Yeah, it is. It's a thing. Like I, I always, when I talk about this crowd work stuff, there are two guys I like to point out and that's Andrew Schultz who like he turned on the heat when the pandemic happened, when it came to like just using these tapes of crowd work, kind of like just, I'm sure I don't know him at all. I've never spoken to him about this, but my assumption is that, he sort of knew that while wow, we're not going to be in clubs and I'm not going to have any, like, I don't want to burn material on social media because like you're trying to work towards that special, but I have like these, I mean, I don't know, probably hours of tapes of crowd work that if I edit the right way, people will really like, and it, it worked. And then you look at a guy like Matt Reif, who's probably the biggest name in comedy because of social media right now. He's got 14 million followers. He just announced a world tour and all of his clips, all of them are crowd work. So whatever his material is that he does, wherever that is going is, is just only for the special. And that's what the internet is kind of like, I fall and pray to, and I do it. Like I start every show trying to do at least three to four minutes of crowd work now, because 
hopefully in the three to four minutes, you get 30 seconds that might go viral, right. you know? And like, that's, that's the nature of the beast. And I think if there are people who are kind of shying away from it or saying like, that's not stand up, like that's not traditional, that's fair. I'm not saying it is, but like, you got to move with the, when the industry makes moves, otherwise you get, you're going to like, you're going to be old news and you don't want to be old news ever. Well, Nate Jackson, he's really good at that. Ian yeah. Bag, that's what he's known for is crowd work. And that's what got him on Last Comic Standing. And right. I think he won or maybe was runner up like that. It's because of his crowd work. And honestly, like in the age of social media, especially TikTok now being as hot as it is. Yeah. Andrew yeah. Schultz was fun to watch. I mean, when I go to see a comedian and for a long time, before I started interviewing comics like yourself, these great people, I, I would go see a comedian at a club and I, I had this idea. Maybe I'd seen a special previously, but then I see them doing other things and jokes and things like that. The one that comes to mind is Joe Coy. Like I saw yeah. his in a tiny little club Cobbs in San Francisco and it was kind of like a hodgepodge that kind of went together and it was weird for me, but then like his special comes out and it's this polished hour and the light came on to me and I was like, Oh, I get it now. It makes sense. The club is where either they're working out an hour or they're trying out new material. So it's always going to be fun. And I think most people, when they go to a club want to be picked out and roasted yeah. or whatever like for me when i got roasted by john mulaney that was like the high highlight of my life or taylor tomlinson it was just it's like that's what you want if you want to sit up front you want to pay for a vip seat you're basically yeah. asking her if it's an andrew schultz well you've had so much success i mean this is really fun for you you have the of course your netflix the circle and then you have this you have all these other things one last question or two here, like with all that's happened in the last few years, this game has changed dramatically. What has kept you driven as a creative, John, and really motivated Whoa. you to keep going? Because you you have to have some sort of mindset to do this and hardwired a certain way because otherwise you, this, I mean, the industry in general is brutal, but I think comedy is just like a whole nother world. Um, yeah. because it's such a wide sea of people and competitive yet you've been able to stand out and maintain relevancy um, because it's just crazy what you do, I think in no. a good way, of course, you know, it's just no, like, thanks man. Insanely like, crazy, but fun. <laughs> it's like a higher air whacked without the net. I feel like. No, thank you. Um, Yeah. I mean, look, like I'll be the first to tell anybody, like it's not sunshine and rainbows. Like I'm not, Every day I'm not waking up and thinking like, oh, I'm going to go viral in 10 minutes and like it's all going to be great. Like there are people with far bigger followings than me. There are people who have like, you know, have that consistent stand up grind down that I'm still working on. But um, the one thing that like I always say is like there are two sayings that like I kind of I feel about in the situation. And the one is work so hard that the people who talk about you behind your back will ultimately tell people how they knew you in the first place. So wow. that's one of my favorites. And then the other one is like, if we get on the treadmill, like you might be the more talented person than me. Like you might know better than I do, but if you're going to get on the treadmill next to me and we're going to run at 10, I'm going to run until you fall off the treadmill or until my legs give out because I'm going to work really, really hard. And like, there are days where like it, 
it stinks. Like it, I definitely get down on myself. Like my roommate's a creator too. And like, he's heard, like he's heard the real woes of my not knowing what I'm going to do and like getting really wound up with it and feeling like honestly, just shitty about it. Um, but the way that like, I've always kept it going is like my bad days are always going to be like as bad as my bad day is, it can never be the worst day I'll ever have because I am doing what I love. And like, I finally have, and like, you know, I'm, I'm 26. I don't know where like my next thing is. And right now it's fringe and that's awesome. And who knows what happens after that, but I'm writing some short films. I'm trying to do sketch stuff. And it's like, it's, it's not a question of drive or like the question of like, I'm hardwired a certain way. It's just, I love making things. And I think everybody has a story. And I think that there's a real missing link to like, like sort of like my New Jersey upbringing and culture to like the wider world. And I want to bring it there. I don't know how I'm going to get there yet, but it's just, it's just work, man. And I love it. And I'm glad that I love it because if I didn't, I don't know what I'd be doing, but I'm surrounded by good people, people that also work hard, people that are loving and caring and they want to see you do well. And I am surrounded by a lot of love. And I think when you're surrounded by that type of people and that type of environment, like it's hard to give up on what your dream is. Agreed. One last question. If given the opportunity, is there somebody that you would, if, if you could feature middle for open for, like on a road tour, like who would be the ideal comic if you could? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, I mean, you mentioned John Mulaney and like, I think that's a lot of people would choose John Mulaney. Uh, he's the reason he's one of the two comics that were the reason I thought I could even try to do stand up because I loved his clever nature and the way that he tells stories is such like an art form. Like the way that he can make a story into a joke is something I, I strive to do. Um, and I'm I'm hoping I could get there one day. So if I ever got to meet him and open for him, that would be like a dream come true. And I think the other uh, rest in peace, Norm McDonald, I would have loved to have spent some time working with and getting in front of Norm. Norm is my favorite comedian of all time, bar none, uh, whether from the joke book jokes that he would tell on Conan or the um, just overall mannerisms and way that he carried himself, just say, thinking like, this is a joke that I think is funny. So I'm going to tell it regardless. And I'm going to wait until you laugh and like to have that, like sort of cojones about you and be like, I'm going to, I know I'm funny and I'm going to make you laugh. Like I would, I would have relish five minutes in a room, just getting to talk to him about it. Those would be the two, no doubt about it. Uh, That's such a good question though. I could go on for hours giving you reasons why like there are other people I would do, but I think those are the top two for sure. I love it. Well, congratulations, John, on all your success. Of course, if you have not had a chance to watch and you can binge now the circle, it's all available on Netflix. You can see your experience on the show. A lots of fun. I mean, that just was, that's one of the craziest shows. I think it hit really heavy during the pandemic because we all could relate in some way being yeah. isolated, but also your comedy, uh, your special dropping this summer on Tubi. And of course, your feature work that you'll be doing at Fringe Fest. Congratulations. All the success is well-deserved. Thank you, John, for your time. I appreciate it. Oh, uh, Brett, I'm so thankful to get to do it, man. Like, I'm honored. I had a great time. You are a A++ interviewer, my friend. I'm, I'm hoping we get to keep in touch and keep talking soon. Absolutely. Awesome. Likewise. Thank you so much.